Hi, in this episode of Exploring Astrophysics, I spoke to Dr. Peter Dowell, who is a professor of astronomical instrumentation at University College London. He explained some of the work he and his team does retrofitting telescopes and upgrading them. So what work do you do as a professor of astronomical instrumentation? Well, my, my main research, or you know, my outside teaching in that, has been building uh, what we call wide field correctors for um, basically to retrofit old telescopes to turn them into big survey instruments. So there's a whole uh, range of four meter class telescopes right there, which were the, you know, uh, the cutting edge telescopes up to about 1980s, 1990s. And a lot of them now have been retrofitted to become survey instruments. So to get, you know, cover a large amount of sky, take lots and lots of data, very wide field of view for each one of the systems. So in the last uh, 15 years, we've been involved in projects of essentially we retrofit the very large lens assemblies, and I'm talking large lens assemblies, you know, uh, two meters high, optics, meter in size, mm -hmm. and they fit onto the, essentially the top end of the telescope to produce a very, very, very wide field of view at several times the size of the diameter of the moon. So you can do these, these surveys. And um, uh, these surveys are, are both imaging, we're just taking pictures, so they're very, very deep uh, pictures of you know, faint galaxies and stars, uh, but also spectroscopic surveys where in fact you're getting a spectra for each one of the objects. And in fact, a lot of spectra at the same time. So one of the projects I was involved in, which was called the uh, Dark Energy Spectroscopic Instrument, does up to 5,000 spectra at in one shot. So every picture it can get 5,000 individual um, spectra of light. Mm -hmm. And from that, of course, you can map out the distribution of galaxies in the universe to a certain redshift. Mm -hmm. So that's my, mainly my R research. I mean, I do do other research as well, um, uh, especially in the past, stuff on adaptive optics. Um, but as I say, mainly my work has been building these wide field correctors for uh, major telescopes in uh, mainly in, a, in a South and North America. Mm. What kind of work goes into building these large diameter lens systems? And what kind of work do you specifically do? Well, we are we're normally involved in all stages. So we're involved in the actual mechanical design of the system. Uh, we're also involved in, in um, producing the specifications for the optics. Um, these uh, large lenses are, are built by specialist companies, but we've normally got to source the glass, you get a huge block of glass. Uh, then that has to be ground and polished. And there's various polishing terms and we monitor the progress because obviously uh, they have to be reduced to incredibly uh, tight specifications. And uh, then we essentially have assembled it in the lab here at UCL. So we, we assemble the whole um, uh, optical assembly, I say up to about two meters in, in length, weighing about two tons, what these things do. And uh, the challenges here are the precision of alignment. So you've got these large lenses, some of them can weigh about 200 kilograms, and we've got to align it to something like a 20 or 30 uh, micrometers. Wow. Um, micrometers. And uh, 
that is quite challenging. Um, you know, that's maybe a third of the width of the hair. And so aligning these very large systems uh, is, is, you know, a bit of a skill. But we have in all the, uh, what they call metrology equipment to measure positions, everything very accurately. And then we assemble these up to, you know, six lenses in some of these systems and uh, make sure that the, the position and the spacing of all these lenses is precise. And then we do some testing with laser systems going through whole optics and try and work out that uh, whether it's in exactly the right place. And then the whole thing gets shipped from UCL to the telescope normally. And sometimes we're involved in reassembling it at the telescope, uh, putting it on the telescope, mm -hmm. mainly just reassembling and testing it at the telescope. Why is it that uh, you choose to assemble these um, systems in at UCL versus at the actual spots where they're going to be implemented? Because wouldn't the precision go off during shipping? Well, normally the telescopes don't have the facilities. You know, telescopes tend to be built to run the telescope. They don't normally have large labs, uh, all the precision equipment. Mm -hmm. um, so it's easier to do it in the lab and just, just be very, very careful when you ship it, that you ship it so that uh, nothing gets disturbed. And that's essentially why we also go out to the telescope, just to check the alignment is, is uh, still the same as we had in the lab. But it's mainly because they don't have the equipment there and the time, they're very busy normally. So, uh, you know, and the remote <laughs> tend to be on large mountains. So you normally take months to do this, if not, you know, well, a year to build this and that just wouldn't be practical at the telescope itself. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that this goes on to like building off of older telescopes. Is there, is there, is the only reason rather than building like new ones, just price or are there other considerations taken in? It's, it's mainly price. I mean, you've got these uh, four meter telescopes. Um, when I say four meter, I mean the diameter of the primary mirror, of course, in their four meters. And they're very good telescopes. And a lot of them are very solidly built because it's rather older technology. So they can take a lot of weight on these telescopes. And so they're quite uh, economic to, um, to refurbish in this way, use these wide field telescopes. I mean, there are telescopes that have been built which are specifically um, wide field. You may have heard of one called the uh, LSST or the Vera Rubin telescope, mm -hmm. which is being built in Chile, which is yeah. a eight, minute, eight meter, if I remember correctly, uh, diameter system. And that's been built specifically for deep imaging surveys. So we built an imaging survey telescope right, quite next to it actually, in the hill next to it, which was the, you know, the top imaging instrument for about five or six years. And that will be superseded by this, um, you know, new telescope that's designed specifically for these large imaging surveys. But it costs a lot of money. You know, it's a very expensive telescope. So could you give me some more examples of what kind of considerations you have to take when building these big systems? Obviously there is the alignment of the mirror. Uh, well, it's the alignment of lenses. So there tend to be all lens systems. Um, well, things like thermal um, expansion. You've got to design the, the whole way to be, the way that all the lenses are held, such that when there's thermal changes, and which there always are at a telescope, and telescope is a sort of, you know, when they open the dome, it can be a very range of temperatures, you know, up to about 30 degrees uh, during the day when the dome's closed, of course, but, you know, 
very cold, minus 10 uh, degrees centigrade at night. So there's a lot of thermal changes and you've got to build the system so that there's no distortion of the system with those thermal changes. So we tend to design the system to be athermal, such that all, with all the expansions, everything stays in alignment. And in particular for, our, for ourselves, you know, we design the, what they call the cells, which hold the lenses. Now the cells tend to be uh, some kind of metal and but sort of metal to glass isn't a particularly great interface. So you normally have some sort of rubber interface between the glass and the metal. And you can design that the right choice of, of metal alloy, uh, plus the right thickness of rubber, plus knowing all the thermal expansions of the glass and that, such that, that there are no stresses put into the lens as the temperature changes. So I say, we, we are very much involved in the design of the whole barrel and the way the lenses are held, such that the lenses stay stress-free through this range of temperatures. Uh, so we work for the cells, for example, we work with a particular iron nickel alloy. And if you get the right amount of nickel in the iron, you can tune the thermal expansion of that um, metal. And therefore, you know, you can choose all the parameters, thickness of rubber, you know what the glass um, expansion is to produce this, this very thermally stable system. Mm -hmm. So that's a quite big involvement in the design of the system. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it's just the size. You know, you're, you're, you're uh, you know, uh, moving large lenses around, and uh, what you don't want to do is damage them <laughs> because they're very, very expensive. And so, it's just the you know safety considerations. Um, all the handling plans have to be very well thought out because they do get damaged. There are quite. A, if you look in the sort of literature, there are a lot of damaged lenses um, in both production. Uh, of the, the lenses and in, in handling of the lenses. So you have to avoid that. And that takes a bit of planning. Does your work differ when you're building imaging versus spectroscopic telescopes? Uh, for us, it's always the, the, the same um, because both of them are looking for high image quality over a wide field of view. Uh, imaging probably has a slightly more um, tighter specification because they're, they're um, in a spectrograph system, you just want light down a fiber. So most of our spectrographic systems or spectroscopic systems are what they call fiber fed. We're putting a light down to a fiber, which is in the focal plane of the telescope. And so the fiber's got a certain size. So you just want to make sure the light goes down that fiber, which, which still means you have to get very good image quality. But when imaging, sometimes people want to make sure there are absolutely no distortions at all in the images was as small distortions you can. You, you can't avoid distortions. When you build any optical system, it's gonna have some distortions. You just can't build a system without distortions, but you want to get that minimized. And for the project we did in, in Chile called the Dark Energy Survey, and um, building a camera called um, the ECAM, they particularly wanted to study um, a phenomenon called weak lensing. I think you've ever come across weak lensing. So it's the very small distortion of distant galaxies by the dark matter between us and the galaxy, which slightly distorts the galaxy in shape. It's a tiny distortion, you know, 1% distortion. But if you look at enough galaxies, statistically, you can sort of see a pattern of distortion across the sky. And then you can map out the dark matter between you and all these distant galaxies. 
So that's been a big part of this dark energy survey is trying to map out all the dark matter distribution. But it does mean that you want the distortion to be caused by the dark matter, not your optics. And so that made a higher specification, if you like, on the, on the image quality and distortion qualities. I mean, you can calibrate it out just to a bit, but it's still, you know, you don't want to, you can. So mm. that was being, I suppose, imaging is slightly more um, tight, but it, it depends a bit on the instrument as well. What are the sort of timeframes involved with all of this, like from the initial idea to like a final workable product? That's a very good question. Um, I, I suppose you're talking about maybe from the very original idea and sort of getting the funding uh, sorted out and the team built up and then the build itself. Uh, you're talking maybe eight years, if not, you know, if not a bit longer, maybe nine years from the sort of original idea to actually being on the telescope. Mm. Uh, it's that sort of time period. Not as bad as some satellite projects, which are even longer, of course, but uh, that's still quite a length of time. Mm. Have you uh, found your work and in general, that sort of field of work having changed in the past versus it is now? Not so. um, I wouldn't say it's changed much, tell the truth, um, in the last 15 years uh, or so. Um, there have been sort of technological developments that have allowed, especially the spectroscopic side. I mean, um, there have been technical developments in the last 20 years or so, which have allowed these very, very high number of fiber systems to be built. So there's been improvements in the fiber quality because you know, you've know you got a very, normally a very long length from the focal plane down to where they actually split the light in the spectra uh, scope. And those fibers have been getting better and better in terms of their performance. And of course, we actually build little robots, or we don't build it, but as part of the project, little robots were built essentially to move the fibers on the focal plane to the position of the galaxy. So they had 5,000 different, different little robots moving all the fibers. So, so obviously you want to place them where the galaxy is in the focal plane, the image plane of the, of the system. And that technology has been developed, let's say in the last 15 or 20 years. So, I mean, when I first started, you know, back in the 1980s and so, you know, there were very few um, uh, spectra you could get in a single shot. You know, if, at best, it was probably a few hundred. And now we're up to 5,000. And that's been slow development over, you know, 25 years or so, 30 years to go from this capability of just a few uh, spectra in one exposure to 5,000. So that's been a big development. In terms of the glass manufacturer, it tells you if the glass is, is quite an old um, established technique. Uh, the coatings have, have improved. All this, these lenses I've talked about being built all have to be coated <coughs> with an anti-reflective coating. And so there have been some develops and developments in the coating technology for the lenses, which allow a much more efficient transmission of the light through the system. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you don't have it coated, you lose 4% of light uh, per surface. So that can mean if you have you know, six lenses, then all the system, you can lose a lot of light even before you get to the detector at the end. Mm -hmm. So that has developed quite a bit. Does your work only look at sort of the building of the telescope? Or are you involved in sort of the preliminary stages as well as 
some of the more final stages, such as the installment in the telescope end. We're uh, involved in the projects we've in the past, we're involved right from the start, from the design of the system right through to the commissioning at the telescope. Um, so, I mean, I mean, I've personally been less involved in the science side, and obviously uh, with these instruments, you get the technical side, but also you have the science side where people develop the science case and develop basically the, the strategy for using the instrument through its lifespan and what science it's gonna get and what are the key targets it's gonna uh, try and reach and the problems it's gonna solve. So I say I've been mostly, mostly involved in the, the uh, technological side, uh, but right from the start, you know, right from, you know, concepts of the, of the, of the optics to commissioning it actually on the telescope itself, which is fun. I mean, you see the whole project through. It's great fun actually, mm -hmm. especially going to telescopes. They're always great fun to, to go to. Yeah. Uh, so I have one last question and that's how exactly did you come into this sort of area of work? How did you come into building telescopes? Because it's fascinating. Yes, uh, well, tell the truth, uh, I'm very lucky. I was, if from a, a very early age, I was fascinated by, by telescopes. Um, and I must say it's more the telescopes themselves than the, the science you do with them. Mm -hmm. <coughs> I've always loved the actual instruments. Uh, from about the age of about, uh, uh, <laughs> that's my son looking in, uh, from the age of about 12, um, when I first came across looking through telescopes, I've always been fascinated by telescopes. And uh, I had a chance, went to university, did my degree in physics, but always wanting to do essentially telescope development. And I was lucky enough to get a PhD in instrumentation for astronomy. And so I've just been sort of lucky uh, working in that field uh, uh, from, from all my, you know, all my career, essentially. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, had a, you know, I suppose I had a love of instruments from a very, of those particular instruments from a very early age, and I was just lucky I'd be able to follow that through um, to now. Great, that's, that's amazing. Thank you so much for speaking to me. I've never actually spoken to anyone who's actually been involved in building the actual telescopes. So that was very, very... Well, I must say, I never built the telescopes myself. Telescopes tend to be built by large commercial firms because ah, uh, they're very expensive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but where I'm a more, I build instruments that go on the telescopes or retrofit parts of the telescopes, like these wide field correctors to, to upgrade their performance. So, <clears throat> so I build instruments for telescopes. I wouldn't claim to be a telescope builder itself. That's, uh, you know, those are big, big projects involving commercial firms, in fact. They're, they're, multi-millions of pounds mm -hmm. okay well thank you so much for speaking to me okay <laughs> that's fine <laughs>